we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your 100% sane, 0% crazy hosts. I'm Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy and you should speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, today we're talking about um, yet another person whose untreated schizophrenia led to them doing horrible, regretful things. Oh, fun. Yes. Another episode in the same vein as our Project Superman Andy Perro story. Oh, very fun. Super yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. Where... You know, we'll be able to pinpoint various points in this person's life that could have been a turning point, but instead shit kept getting worse. Mm, heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be going over the Kyle Odom Manifesto. Uh, is a document contained on flash drives that Kyle hurled over the fence onto the White House lawn. Oh. Before um, promptly being arrested by the Secret Service. Oh. Who is, who is president? What year is this? President Obama. Oh, 2016. I gotta, get, I gotta get this manifesto to Obama. Yeah, yeah. You see, um, despite a felony warrant out for his arrest, Kyle managed to board a plane from Idaho to Washington D.C., where he planned to try and get in touch with President Obama using the flash drives. Ah, but, so he really did. He was trying to get, yeah, get talked. Okay. Yeah, but but why? Why? Days earlier, Kyle Odom, a Marine combat veteran who had no previous criminal history, shot a pastor named Tim Remington in the parking lot of the Altar Church, emptying a 12-round magazine before fleeing. Um, he had to shoot Pastor Tim Remington because it turns out that he was actually a Martian. Tim? Yeah. Oh. Pastor Tim was a Martian. You know, part of the, the very same Martians who were torturing Barack Obama. Oh, no. Yeah, so um, guess what? What? There are hypersexual beings from Mars oh. who live underground and inside the moon who have been controlling human civilization for millions of years. Oh. And Kyle had to break the news to the masses and save us from their enslavement. Sounds like Barack Obama had to break the news to the masses and save it. Too. Yeah, yeah. him too. Because, you know, Barack Obama had been telepathically communicating with Kyle. And they were both being tortured in the same ways. So, like, maybe they could buddy up and, like, take down all the Martians together. I had a, I had a dream about Barack Obama once. Oh, did you? Yep. See an alien? No, 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 no. Uh, we were, <laughs> me and him were smoking a blunt in the back of a limousine. Sweet. It was winter time. It might have been like Alaska or something, but it was a zombie apocalypse. And we had to kill a bunch of zombies. We had to get high first. Michelle didn't like us getting high first. That's, <laughs> That's really funny. Actual dream I had. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good dream. Fuck it. That sounds like an awesome dream. Man can wield a shotgun like nobody's business. Yeah. <laughs> so. Kyle's got a attempt to kill Pastor Tim. Right. He speeds away from the scene in his 2004 Honda Accord, and he evades capture and sends out copies of a manifesto to his parents and to various news stations. Today, a letter postmarked in Spokane on Monday showed up here at the KXLY4 studios. 
Inside this business-sized envelope was a single piece of paper that was titled The Truth About Kyle Odom. It appears the note was generated on a color copier and that a similar letter that was delivered to his parents' home had a thumb drive inside. Detectives say documents on the drive contain rambling writings in which Odom lays out his reasons for shooting Pastor Remington. Police say it shows the attack was not random. Investigators are not saying if the manifesto provides clues about Odom's location or if he has any plans for violence in the future. Odom's father, Terry, tells KXLY that he had dinner with his son the night before the shooting and there was no indication that Odom was planning any type of attack. Odom's dad says the Sunday shooting took them totally by surprise and that Odom is not a violent person. Terry Odom adds that his son probably doesn't realize the gravity of what happened in the church parking lot. Odom is urging his son, Kyle, to surrender himself to police wherever he is tonight, that his family is very concerned about Kyle's welfare, and they want him back safely in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. Hmm. So he's on the run. He's on his way to the White House. He got on a they, he got on a plane after he this happened. He got on a plane. Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. What year was this? Well, it was during the Obama administration. Twenty fourteen. So that's or insane. Sixteen. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, he was captured in Washington D.C. And then there was a kind of a drawn out legal battle due to Idaho's lack of an insanity defense, which kind of made things complicated. Frontier justice. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the manifesto, we're going to do what we do. We're going to pull a tarot card that we'll talk about in depth at the end of the episode. I'm not sure we've ever pulled this one before. The Lovers. Oh, we- weird. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Lovers is about choices. Yep. Yep. So we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah. Interesting. We haven't. That's a, You got to love it, right? There's a sense of humor to tarot decks. It's You've true. never pulled the lovers before. You pull it for fucking Kyle Odom. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I do. I've been wanting to experiment with like fucking making hip hop for like so long now, years and years. But like I was telling Cody this and he like totally got it. It's like I don't feel comfortable even practicing that by myself. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. It's it's a it's an uncomfortable. I don't have the right. You gotta come up with an alter ego. I, I yes. Yeah. That's that's also what I've been thinking about. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then your alter ego will be capable. I've never been good at that. Yeah. I'm not even good at making screen names. I like the name um like Chachki. <sighs> if I was. I, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Kind of Jewy, you know. It's kind of Jewy. <laughs> you could also just call yourself kind of Jewy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we're just going to start right from the beginning. The mythology that he creates will make sense in relationship to his life and experiences. Sure, yeah. In an interesting way, I think. Word. So I just want to take a look at the first page of the manifesto. We'll just start right there. And it starts off with the question, who is Kyle Odom? Oh, wow. This is like, this manifesto is formatted and shit. Yeah. This is wild. You don't see that a lot. You don't. Usually they're they're a lot more difficult to read. This one's very neat. It's it's like it's a press release. Yeah. Right? Like it's a it's a press kit. That's literally what this is. The people got to know. This is, I wouldn't call this a this is not a manifesto. This is a press kit. Mm. That's wild. Okay. So Sequoia, who is Kyle Odom? Well, born and raised in North Idaho. He grew up in a loving family, joined the Marine Corps after high school, developed an interest in science. Went to school for a degree in biochemistry, won numerous scholarships and awards, graduated magna cum laude, and then got invited to a prestigious university to work on genetics. Check my personal documents. As you can see, I'm pretty smart. I'm also 100% sane, 0% crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's just start there. He's not lying. He did grow up in a loving family. I watched an episode of a discovery show today called like the shadow of death. And the first episode I know is, yeah, I know I I have very low expectations, but it was actually uh, an illuminating episode because it was the only source I could find where you got to see his parents and his family, his sister, Mm. his mom, his dad. Yeah. Yeah. They really loved him. Um, Yeah. Good family, smart boy, like straight A's growing up. And his dad admits, I pushed him into the military. Mm. So that's a thing. But it's clear that they're all devastated by what happened. I'm sure. They all deeply love their son. And it's almost like they lost a son. You yeah. Know? He's not dead, but. But in some ways, it's kind of harder. Yeah. Yeah. So he's also not lying about, you know, prestigious scholarships and awards and he went to a PhD program. He got accepted to multiple grad schools and had his pick. Damn. Like, you know, not not someone that was outwardly crazy. Right, because- like his, his dad knew that he was depressed and anxious and that he had PTSD after he got out of the military because he spent yeah. seven months in Iraq. He was- right. that, that'll- He was a door gunner. He was like shooting people out of <laughs> helicopters. Okay. So yeah. um, he learned that it's a noble and good thing to kill the enemy. Sometimes, sure. The enemy, even. Um, but that's a hard. But he came thing back with a lot of PTSD. I'm sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. To me, it almost makes sense that when he crafted this narrative that Tim Remington was part of the enemy. Yeah. You know that was going to destroy planet Earth. He had to become the hero. Well, definitely. Or maybe not even hero. I mean, I haven't read the manifesto, but like, had to do the thing. Yeah. Had to do the job. Right. You know, had to get the job done. I think it's also like you you often not to get too sidetracked, but it's true that like most people who write manifestos generally 
Well, actually, actually I'm going to scratch that because there's actually quite a few instances of like well-educated people fucking losing it and shit. And like, I mean, the Unabomber. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You know? Matthew Harris. He was that UCLA PhD like right, right. student professor that also lost his freaking mind and wrote an absolutely insane 800 page manifesto. Yeah. Oh, so it happens. And part of why it happens, actually, as we'll learn, is because of academic burnout, I think, really contributed to it. <laughs> and I think part of the reason why he was pushed to go into the military was to help them afford college. Sure. You know. Yeah. And also Idaho. I mean, yeah. like, it's there's parts of the country where that's an you know, it's a noble thing to do. Very right? true. Like and his dad a, was in the service. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a thing. We're from, New, again, we're from New England where everyone's fucking jaded about everything. Yeah. So the first page goes on. Religion and public service are for suckers. Yeah. <laughs> so the first page of the document goes on. Why did he do it? Well, my life was ruined. Ruined by an intelligent species of amphibian humanoid from Mars. I wish I was joking. Keep reading. I feel like we're at the beginning of like a comedy movie where it's like, <laughs> I bet you're wondering how we got Yeah, exactly. It. He's like exactly. laying with his pants down on the, the White House lawn, like being pulled away by Secret Service. Well, it all started two years ago. Like, uh, yeah. They were here long before we ever existed. Their technology is millions of years more advanced than ours. I've seen them do things that defy all comprehension. They have a massive breeding stock of humans, which they breed and control from birth. They use these humans to live vica vicarious lives among us. They appear to be completely normal because they're good at imitating human behavior. See Martian technology for an explanation of this. So it's not hyperlinked, it's just underlined. The actual Martians live deep underground here and inside of the moon. Hmm. They take control of wild human beings and use them as sex slaves. Don't believe me? Ask President Obama to take a lie detector test on this one. Ask Obama. They tried to take me, but they were unable to control my mind. They've been following me ever since. I tried everything to get my life back. I begged, bargained, and I threatened. Everything I tried to do was sabotaged. I attempted suicide twice, but they stopped me both times. My last resort was to take actions that would bring this to the public's attention. Yeah, and that action was to kill a Martian. Shoot a pastor. Yeah. Hmm. The page ends, read my story to learn what happened to me. So that's, we're going to get into Kyle's story. All right. And uh, Kyle's personal story begins in 2014. In case you forgot some of the highlights of that lovely year. I, I did. I don't remember anything about 2014. Yeah, okay. I'm going to remind you. <laughs> 2014 is when a Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 disappeared. Okay. Ebola. Oh, right. Yeah. The deaths of Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, riots all. Oh, yeah. ISIS, super on the rise. Robin, yeah. Robin Williams killed himself. Holy shit. There's conflict that, going on that was in the, the start of the, the start of the bullshit in Ukraine. Yeah. Okay. Um, we all learned that Bill Cosby is a rapist. Goddamn. Yeah. I tried looking up a list of good things that happened in 2014, and the list was so pathetic. One of them was just Kate Middleton. Like, <laughs> Wait, excuse just... me? What? Yeah, just, oh, Kate Middleton exists. <laughs> just that she exists? Yeah. And then another one was new Taylor Swift album. Like, fuck you. That oh, doesn't... Joe. That's the best you can come up with. How quickly we forget. How quickly we fucking forget, dude. It, I think it's, I don't, I don't know if any years are actually that bad anymore. I think that it's just become every, like this fucking year. meme that it's, oh, this is the worst year ever. It's like that fucking, Every dude, year terrible stuff. 2014 happens. is a bad year. Yeah. It's a fucking bad year. You know, listen, just look up a list of things that happened in the 90s. Yeah. Just like legitimately audience, do that. You will be shocked. I have done this. You will be shocked. 
A lot of bad shit happened in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Just fucking lighten up a bit. <laughs> Kyle's story begins in a cold, dangerous land far, far away. A foreign land upon which I've never stepped foot and likely never will. Moscow. Ah. Idaho. Oh. Oh, that's where uh, Moscow's where uh, that fucking, that bullshit yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's a place where only, like, wonderful things happen. Yeah. It, this story also takes place at the University of Idaho. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, those murders in the news recently, the four that students. fucked up shit. That's savagely fucked, yeah. murdered. Yeah. Only great things happen at the University of Idaho. And it is pronounced, pronounced Moscow. 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 Yeah, they want to differentiate themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Kyle's really stressed out, right? It's his last semester and his schedule is super fucking intense. And I can relate because my last semester at college, I learned that I was missing a couple of like things that I needed to graduate. So I had yeah. to stack my schedule really heavy. Shit. I had to take 19 credits and a hundred hour unpaid internship. Holy shit. And I stupidly coped with drugs. Mm. Cocaine. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. yeah. And that, that got me through it. But Kyle is a lot smarter than me, a lot more heart friendly. He discovers meditation. Oh. That becomes part of his daily routine. Oh. He develops a, a deep interest in consciousness and how to affect consciousness. According to him, he begins to achieve extreme states of consciousness. All right. And then one February night, 2014, while meditating, Kyle encounters a being. Quote, it was the most profound experience I've ever had. I was laying in bed meditating and suddenly left my physical body. I entered a space that was completely dark and had no awareness of my physical boundaries or orientation in time and space. I felt very peaceful there until a blue light began to approach me. As the blue light got closer, I realized it was another being. Once I was in the being's presence, I felt an immediate sense of wrongdoing. It was as if it was telling me, you shouldn't be here. I instantly conceded and felt guilty. Then I began to distance myself from the being. This had an impact on the being and seemed to change their mind about me. The moment I began to distance myself from the being, I became overwhelmed by a feeling I can only describe as unconditional love. During this experience, our minds became connected and I saw that the being was female. I began to feel the most euphoric, comforting, and blissful feelings I have ever felt. It was incredibly powerful and life-altering. Interesting, right? Very. Yeah. I'm going to save getting into it for later, but there's, there's definitely a lot of things in there I want to talk about. Yeah. 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 Encountering beings in a trance state, like that's not entirely bonkers. It's not. It's not. It, it, even the blue light thing, like that's a that's yeah. a phenomenon. Um, and also that experience of becoming one with um, an energy of the opposite sex and like experiencing that heightened sense of euphoria. And, like, yeah. And I mean, um, for Christ's sakes, we just talked about the Monroe Institute. Right. Right. That's what and, I was thinking about too. And in uh, a bonus episode, we mentioned that study about the uh, the hemi hemisphere is actually sinking, right? And encountering the usually quiet part of your brain as another being. And like there, there was a, a mm -hmm. study done on that. So like that, none of that is outside of the realm of like actually normal human experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So next thing he knows, Kyle wakes up with tears in his eyes and he can't get out of bed. He's overcome with this profound sense of loss. Like he had just lost somebody close to him. And it feels really painful. And he just loses the desire to meditate at all. And every mm. time the thought arises, it's just stripped from his mind. Like he has no motivation to do it. That feeling of euphoria, it's just he can't access it anymore. He can't even imagine what it was like. Hmm. He feels like shit. 
And yeah. when he finally does try to meditate again, it doesn't feel the same as before. He can't achieve anything like he did before, like the deep states of trance, the relaxation. It's just and not it's not happening. So he just gives up on meditation and focuses entirely on his classes. Yeah. I mean, mate, hmm, you shouldn't be choosing between those two things. Yeah. If you're like focusing on meditation like that, you're uh you're going a little too hard at it. Right. Yeah. Well, I got the sense that he was really, really stressed out. Yeah. And he was using meditation almost like a drug to yeah, as a anchored as a and crutch. yet it un it instead of anchoring him, it made him more detached. Yeah. Well, he's yeah he started learning the wrong. Th- I mean, you're supposed to get detached. It almost sounds like he got attached to the escape that right. it was providing. Yeah. And of course, like I, you know, I've I've done a lot of meditation. I've never had that intense of an experience. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, meditation is a fucking real thing. But that's it seems like he his brain is kind of primed to um to go wacky with it. Yeah. Yeah. So after he gives up meditation, he says, "The remainder of the of the semester became exceedingly easy for me. It felt like I had tapped into some kind of power. I was exerting no mental effort, even though the classes had been extremely difficult before. I also began to have complex thoughts and a deep understanding I had never reached before. Yeah, that's." What it should do. Yeah. But this also kind of reminds me, it, it seems like his moods are becoming a little bit disordered. You know, yeah. that experience where he's crying in bed, he can't get out of bed. He feels like he's been through a loss and he's just like, things feel meaningless. Yeah, he's depressed as all shit. And then all of a sudden, it's like everything becomes super easy for him again. He can just get his work done, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like there's not, a, it doesn't feel like there's a good balance here. No. He's going on this whiplash fucking thing. Right. So he gets through the semester. He's done with college. Yeah. Well, what's what's a boy to do? Well, what you're supposed to do. More college? Yeah. Yeah. There's always more degrees Ob- to get. Obviously. Yeah. So Kyle starts interviewing at grad schools that he had been accepted to, and he starts receiving some offers and- Eventually, he decides to accept an offer from Baylor College of Medicine to work on a PhD in human genetics. The future looked bright, and he couldn't wait to get started. So Kyle's yeah. going to Houston to work on his PhD. Hell yeah. It seems like maybe he should take like a semester or two off. Maybe a little Maybe go break. to a meditation maybe retreat or something. Maybe like, you've oh. been in school since you were five years old. Yeah. Just, like, just take, yeah, you know. take a little chill. Yeah. I had done what I wanted to and taken some time. Before going to college, I probably have a degree right now. So Kyle's in Houston. It's like, you know, it's the new semester. It's the first semester at at his new PhD program. Take it away. Everything changed once I started the program. The moment arrived, I could the moment I arrived, I could see flaws in every professor's research. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, he's he's gone. Yeah. yeah. My mind was so expanded that I could instantly understand the implications of entire research projects. Because of this, I was able to see weaknesses in all of the projects. This caused me to become very concerned about what I was doing, and I felt like I was wasting my time. I voiced my concerns to my advisor, and he casually brushed them aside. He told me, just have fun. It'll be fun. I kept trying to get motivated, but things continued to get worse. I started seeing flaws in the foundations of genetics and other fields. It got to the point where I couldn't stop thinking about them. To make things worse... No one, no one else seemed to care, which really bothered me. All these issues made it impossible for me to continue, so I decided to leave. 
Yeah, so he's there for about three months before he leaves. Wow. This is a real turning point and breaking point. I mean, yeah, yeah. What do we think that means? Flaws in the foundations of genetics. I mean, I think... Like, he's seeing things on such a cosmic, huge level because he's probably been meditating all summer in between. I mean, if he had learned to enjoy meditating again. Yeah. It's... I mean, to me, it sounds like he's breaking, you know? Yeah. Like... It sounds like he doesn't know what to do because, you know, he went to high school, then he went into the military and went to Iraq for seven months. So this is he. And then he went straight to college. Then he went straight to grad school. So he's just used to being told what to do, basically. I thought he might have gone to the military after this. I had the timeline mixed up. Mm -hmm. That's oof. that's got to be that's I mean, that's a crazy ass fucking whiplash. Yeah. Going from two very different types of structure. It's right. like it's like structure, but well, completely different environments, the opposite environments. Yeah, really. Like, yeah, I can see how that like that could just that could fuck up a human's brain. And it did. Yeah. So, it's the very day that Kyle decides to leave Baylor that his life unravels. In his words, it becomes a living hell, and he stops being able to sleep. Okay. Even though he's at peace with his decision to drop out and knows that he definitely wants to drop out, there's something strange happening. Like, he just feels like shit. And after a few days of not showing up to class, two students from his class begin reaching out to him, Eugene and Brandon. I barely knew them, so it seemed unusual they would contact me. When I went to see them, they both kept pointing their fingers at me, saying, pew pew, like they were shooting a gun. They did this over and over, and I kept wondering what their problem was. Months after I left Houston, I was told that Eugene and Brandon were not human. They were tasked with making me into the next school shooter, they called it. I imagine this is why many school shootings take place. Yeah. Like, I'd love to know exactly who told Kyle that. I'm guessing probably he was told telepathically. I'm guessing it was a blue orb. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. So after he stops talking to Eugene and Brandon, Kyle says that slowly things improve a little bit as he tries to figure out what to do with his life. He starts applying for jobs just all over the country, which tells me that he's aimless. Like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know what the fuck to do. Because at this point, it's time for him to make a decision on his own of what to do with his life. And I, it's, you know, he's he's just throwing um, darts at the dartboard. Like, here, there, oh, just sending in so many applications, so many interviews. He finally gets an interview at a food company in the spring of 2015, but it doesn't really go well. Hmm. Well, I thought I was about to get something going with my life, but I was wrong. I couldn't sleep at all the night before my interview. Not uncommon, man. Yeah. I literally stayed awake the entire night, which has had never happened to me before. I looked unrecognizable in the mirror the next morning, and my mind felt zapped worse than it had in Houston. Needless to say, the interview didn't go well. I couldn't think, and I had extreme difficulty with normal conversation. After the interview was over, I suddenly felt fine and looked perfectly normal. I slept great that night and then made my way to the airport the next morning. Doesn't it sound like he was just kind of nervous for the interview? Absolutely. I've gone through that exact same shit, man. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. In the document, Kyle then says, this is where the story gets weird. Like, really, Kyle? Here? Here is where it's- Here? <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, it does get weirder. I mean, honestly, like, I've got a pretty good grasp on what's going on here so yep. far. He's, hey man, this is another story about like people just not being able to, um, not having a sense of, of how to deal with inner shit. Yeah. And yeah. And how to integrate painful experiences. Yeah. And even just how to like think about thinking and how to think about thought processes and shit. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. On the plane ride back home, my seat was taken. I asked the flight attendant and she directed me to a new seat. Once I sat down, an older gentleman in front of me kept glancing back until he got my attention. As he kept looking back, my head began to hurt and tingle. The moment my head began to hurt, his lips curled into an evil-looking smile. The pain and tingling in my head continued for the rest of the flight and got more intense as time went on. Every time I felt the pain, the man would start taking notes in a notepad. About halfway through the flight, someone else in front of me held up a newspaper that said the words, Psychic Reading, for like five minutes straight. It was blatantly obvious they were doing something to me, but I didn't know what. Once we landed, the older gentleman kept showing me his track phone, as if to say, get one of these. Hmm. Yeah. So... Was someone just reading a newspaper that had an ad for psychic readings on it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's in a state of hyper paranoia. Like, danger everywhere. Yeah, danger or at least meaning everywhere. Yes. Which... I don't know if that's paranoia, if there's another word for... The evil-looking smile. Yeah, that's paranoid as fuck. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> so Kyle had applied to several government agency positions, and he thought that maybe the man with the track phone was their way of contacting him, of sending him a signal. Maybe the man on the plane was sent by the government to see how Kyle would react and if he would catch on. Bro. So, yeah. <laughs> You're in the military. You know they just send a letter. Out of what he calls curiosity, he goes and buys a track phone. And he's checking the phone every day to see if someone's going to reach out to him about this job. Jesus. You know, he's supposed to get the track phone and the government's going to reach out to him. Well, it turns out that the number of the track phone used to belong to someone else. Someone who went to the altar church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Because after about a month of having this track phone... He receives his first text message, his first contact. Finally, the government is reaching out to him about this job. Right. But it's in this weird code. It's from this man named John Padula inviting him to come to church at the altar. Oh, wow. He thought that that was kind of a weird place to be recruiting for government jobs, right? Also, that sounds like something someone would make up as a code. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that wicked sounds like something in a bad movie. So he decides to go anyway, even though he's like, this is kind of weird, but it's probably a test. So where did he grow up? I- In Idaho. Okay. He, he's from Idaho. Okay. Yeah. So that's even more coincidental. Right. And he's and- back. He's living in Idaho right now. Oh, okay. He moved okay. from Texas to Idaho. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. Okay. That makes that makes more sense. I thought it was just like this random ass fucking yeah. coincidence. Okay. So he decides to go to the altar church. And once inside, he feels like his life is in danger and he gets so uncomfortable that he has to just leave. He was feeling that he was feeling the delusion. Yeah. He was feeling that he had fucked up like that. This like, do you know what I mean? Right. Like it was the sense that something was wrong. Yeah. And it was his perception, his narrative that he was constructing. It's like, uh, uh, and so much of that, like, seems like if you had that delusion, that text message and shit, like. You're not wrong to interpret it that way. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if it it's was just, someone saying, hi, Bob, how you doing? It's been a while. Like, maybe you'd be, you'd be wrong, but it feels like- It's unfortunate a, that that number used to be registered to someone who went yeah. to the altar. Like, that yeah. is just a cosmic coincidence that, that <sighs> sent a, a thread out into the universe that got spun into this story. How does the poor pastor who got shot deal with that? That's clearly you know, a message from God. He says that he's the victor in this scenario and that Kyle is the real victim, so. I fucking hate pastors. Yeah. Spinning it like that, you really going to do that? 
Yep. So it makes me feel bad about how I deal with my life. <laughs> Pastor Tim. <laughs> Pastor Tim is, is too good. Uh, yeah. All right. A couple of days later, I started receiving text messages from Tim Remington. At first, they were innocuous Bible messages, but then he started threatening me. He sent messages talking about their power and other things. He did all of this through Bible verses, so it wouldn't look suspicious. Oh, boy. I ignored everything he sent until one final text message, which simply stated, Angels. I thought nothing of it until helicopters started flying around my house all day and all night. At that point, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I needed to contact them, so I made an appointment to meet John Padula for coffee. Little did I know he had no intention of meeting me. After making the appointment to meet John, something very bizarre happened. I received the most... <laughs> oh, no. I received the most unnatural boner I've ever had. Oh, boy. It felt like someone was manually pumping blood into my penis. I don't know how else to describe it. Immediately after, that song began playing in my mind. Cute, cute, this is the song. It's not my favorite Talking Heads song. I fucking love Talking Heads. Not my favorite song. Yeah. He says that he's he'd never heard that song before. And that line, sister, sister, he's just a play thing. Just okay. keeps, it's haunting him. As soon as he gets into bed that night, that part of the song starts up again. Yep. Just the, over and over again. And they weren't kidding. He got no sleep that night yet again. And there's also this common thread in the manifesto of him bringing up his poor sleep. And that is something that is a huge red flag. Yeah. You know, like I know for me, schizoaffective disorder, what that's a, like when my sleep schedule starts to get wonky, mm. I know. Okay. Reel it in. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because the second you pull an all nighter, you're in dreamland. Like it's doesn't feel good right it feels weird sometimes it feels actually really euphoric the first day of no sleep but then the second day of no sleep you're hearing shit seeing shit not good so he's getting no sleep every time he starts to drift off he's violently woken up by sister sister he's just a play thing he's just laying there in pain (laughs) it's just pissed off watching the sun rise but he's now feeling relieved because at least the song isn't playing anymore. He thinks his torture is over until a voice begins talking. Oh no. You're going to be uncomfortable. All you have to do is breathe. And Kyle wonders in his mind what that means and the voice speaks again. You're going to be sacrificed like Jesus and get beheaded. Hmm. Uh, Well, that's no fun. It's not fun at all. That really upsets Kyle. As it should. He starts having a mental breakdown which is then interrupted by a knock at the door. Oh, no. It's some dude with a pamphlet talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. You're fucking kidding me. Kyle goes completely delirious thinking that that means he's going to die. You're fucking kidding me. That is such bad luck. It's horrible luck. If he he had just had the mental breakdown, he might be fine. Right. Damn, wow, that's insanely bad luck. 
I mean, like, yeah. maybe that's pretty common in that part of the country. I don't know. But like, damn. Wow. Right. Of so, all the fucking things. Of all the fucking things. Of all the fucking things. In his moments where he thinks that he's going to die and be sacrificed, all he can think about is seeing his family again, who were in Albuquerque at the time. So he buys a one-way ticket to go see his family, which is smart. I yeah. think that that's a, a good call. And everything is kind of fine and status quo until he gets on the plane again. And in the plane, weird shit starts happening. And I think, so remember he was a helicopter gunner, right? Oh. You know? And yeah. planes are a very enclosed environment. You can't go anywhere in a plane if shit starts going down. Yeah. You know? There's no escape. That's really uncomfortable if you feel paranoid about the world in general. Yeah. A plane is, it just feels like a dangerous environment, especially if you've- If you have a history of being in fucking war in a flying machine. Yes. So plane triggers him. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. And um, he's sitting next to this huge man who keeps talking to him telepathically. Do we know how huge? Just huge. Okay. They do make airplane seats very small. They do. As a 6'3 dude, it's tough. No leg room. No. So here's what the guy says telepathically. Okay. Hi there, Kyle. I bet you're excited to see your family. Too bad I'm going to crash this plane. Yeah. This really scares Kyle. And every time the man would send him a telepathic message, he would sniff emphatically. Which reminded me of the delusions of this other woman whose online presence I'm aware of, who gets very, very upset at people sniffing and coughing. In fact, she basically had to drop out of college because she kept disrupting the class. Every time people would cough in class, she would freak out and think that they were bullying her. So she had to drop out of college and... Like, she has a bunch of different blogs, but one of them, um, the URL is things I wrote can't fix end of this address dot blogspot dot com. Jesus. <laughs> and yeah, half of the posts are her recording times that people have coughed at her. And she sees it as this sign of disrespect or this thing that has hidden meaning. Can <laughs> I play this video? So, so she didn't make it through COVID, did she? God, I can't imagine <laughs> how it affected her. Yeah, I think somebody else just coughed at me, some guy, like from across the street. I mean, that happens frequently. That happens like several times throughout the day. You know, some, someone will see me and they will just what? harass me, harass me from, from the other side of the street. It's more men than women, really. It really tends to be more men than women, but it's just totally vicious, totally vicious behavior from total strangers, you know, who I don't, I don't really, I don't really know what their motivation is. I don't know if they just have they're having a bad day and they want to take it out on somebody else. Or they're just the type of men who like to dominate women, or they want to molest children, and they think that like I'm just like getting in their way, um, or what, whatever it is. But it's disgusting. Yeah. Yo. So, that's a well, thing. Well, that's fucking crazy. First of all. Oh, it is. Jesus Christ. But that's a thing that will happen in schizophrenia is people overinterpreting subtle hand signals or the color of a t-shirt yeah. or a, a body action like coughing or sneezing even. And they'll interpret that as a sign. It's just it, like they're just they're looking for danger. They're looking yeah. for people who are attacking them. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I have some hyper vigilance. vigilance. Yeah. Hyper villainy. Yes. Mad villainy. Um, but like, I don't know. It's just, that's wild. 
it to me make... because like it's a thing that everyone does right. often enough, you know? Yeah. A little piece of dirt stuck in your throat, whatever. Like it's it's something that like the this, the connection isn't there. Like oh, I'm doing that all the time too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. There's something or something broken. screwy. Yeah. Yeah. So Kyle's on the plane to Albuquerque. This man is telepathically threatening to crash the plane, sniffing at Kyle, and also starting to touch Kyle's leg a little bit. Well, that's not cool. (laughs) You know, on a plane, that's not all right. No. Like, how how? is he brushing up against with his leg? Yeah. Or is he like, is he reaching? Is he a little, you know, a little pat? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder. He did say he's a huge man, so maybe it's just unavoidable. Maybe there's just some leg touching going on. Imagine if he did just get seated next to just like the creepiest fat dude in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like if he was actually trying to molest this man on a plane. Right. <laughs> Again, that's bad luck. Actually sniffing at him, just like smelling Kyle. Right. Like it could just be more bad luck. Who knows? Fucking I. Oh boy. Okay. <sighs> okay. I can do this. The second he touched me, I could feel him inside my mind. (laughs) Good God. This caused me to panic until I was on the verge of causing a scene. Before Before I did anything, he told me to calm down and said, You did a great job. You passed. Go enjoy your family. We have a job waiting for you when you get back. I thanked him and felt slightly relieved, but I had no intention of contacting him at all. My only thought was to get as far away from him as possible. Um, what the fuck? Mm. (sighs) Hmm. Okay. So mm. he gets off the plane and um, he passed. Yeah. Yeah. He heads over to the baggage claim where a rogue group of sniffers are there waiting to harass him. Airports are just fucking germ factories. Yeah. He says the sniff is something they do all the time. I think it has something to do with dominance. The dominance of the bacterial world over the macro world. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking airport. Right. So his parents are waiting outside to pick him up. Thank God. Finally. Familiar people. Nice people. They're not sniffing at me. And Kyle's ecstatic to see them. He gives them both a huge hug, tells them how much he loves them. And those are his last happy moments in Albuquerque. Oh, boy. According to Kyle, he was followed everywhere he went after that. How could he tell who was one of them? Well... They would sniff. Jesus. Or they would smile or laugh or stick their tongues out. But most of all, sniff. That's how they let him know that they're one of them. Yeah. So they began to telepathically try to get Kyle to go outside at at night by himself. But he was too afraid to do that and refused to follow their orders until they threatened to hurt his family. Fine, he said. I'll do whatever you want. Just leave my family alone. What do you know? The voices wanted him to go to church. The altar church, of course. Well, yeah, no shit, because that already popped up. Yeah. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be mad at this kid. It's just like, you see what the reality is, and you see what, you know what I mean? It's not like, ah, it's just, right. I'm infuriated for him. Yeah. Wow. It's the altar. Yep. And it's called the altar, too. Yeah. Wrong name for the fucking church in this situation. Like, that's not helping. Truly. (laughs) All right. So Kyle agrees that as soon as he gets back to Idaho, he's going to go to the altar, and that's exactly what he does. All right. End quote. When I went to the altar for the first time, the people were acting very strange. It was inhuman. As I walked into the sermon room, everyone stared at me and began sniffing emphatically. Does he smell terrible? Is that a possibility? (laughs) I don't 
think so. I mean, maybe. Maybe. You have depression. Yeah, like that. Sorry, people with depression. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> it happens sometimes. It's true. I've been there. Yeah. Guilty. I smell like shit right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we're known for. <laughs> when the service began, a man came and sat down next to me. After he sat down, I began smelling something. It was a smell I have never smelled before. The only thing I can compare it to is compare it to is reptile and vinegar. He smells bad. <sighs> After smelling it, I became, I became very uncomfortable, but tried to remain calm, sitting there quietly until services were over. When the service ended, they said, you can leave now. After that, I knew I wasn't dealing with the government anymore. I realized that whoever I was dealing with was extraterrestrial, so I became very scared. So I'm thinking the altar was a church that kind of like it had a popular following in the community, but it also catered to a lot of recovering addicts and ex-cons because the pastor also ran like a rehab program. Okay. So it is possible there could have just been like, you know, a smelly. A stinky fucker. Yeah. Yeah. There's a stinky fucker in there. Yeah. Stinky yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, come, come on. Random sampling of anybody in Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> There's going to be Idaho. some stinkers in church. Yeah. Any a random sampling of any church. There's going to be a stinky fucker in there. So, but this is when he's like, oh, it must be aliens. I don't know why. I don't know Instead why. Instead of the government. That. Because he feels out of place in church. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Of like, because I'm just thinking like. Also, they're not giving him a job. None of the rest of the shit seemed like the government either. Yeah. Like, why didn't he think it was aliens before? I don't know. Yeah. So the aliens obviously like weren't giving him a job. Mm -hmm. So he begins applying for employment again. And even though he had gone to church like they asked, he was still being followed around and sniffed at and harassed day and night. Kyle begins hearing voices more often. He begins hallucinating things he knew were not real. So he's still maintaining like a sense of awareness. Yeah. Um, they started playing with him sexually, forcing fantasies to pop into his mind about both men and women. And this came with random and uncontrollable boners, as well as extreme anal stimulation. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, the harassment continues on for weeks until he just couldn't take it anymore after this one incident. Quote, one day I was in the bakery at Safeway when I got surrounded by a bunch of old men. Some of them looked at me and sniffed, so I knew it was them. They started stimulating my... They started stimulating my cock and balls simultaneously. Then they spoke aggressively. Humans are nothing more than the result of a successful genetic experiment. You are a threat to the way these people think, and you can no longer be free in society. Your life is over. You are nothing but a toy. Your purpose now is to suck penis. Uh, so Boy. there's a lot of weird cross wires going with the sexual yeah. fantasies, like... He's not identifying with the sexual thoughts popping into his mind. It's very possible that he's experiencing intrusive thoughts and doesn't know how to identify them as intrusive thoughts. And Absolutely. And thinks that they're being, they're inserted thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because. Because that's, uh, that that's what they feel like. Yeah. It feels like, hey, that's, that's not me thinking that. Yeah. Because I have a lot of thoughts throughout the day that I don't really agree with. It's almost like my thoughts are just like doing their own thing sometimes. Sometimes I, they are. Yeah. And I have to take a second to be like, hey, wait a second. I might be thinking that, but I don't agree with that. Yeah. Or that thought popped into my mind, but I don't want it to be there. That happens a lot. And that's normal. Yeah. 
but it can be distressing, especially when, you know, you're driving down the road and you're going across a bridge and you're like, what if I just turned the wheel and went over over the side of this? Like, stop, brain. You know, sometimes your brain just makes shit pop in there that you don't want to think about. The, the way I learned to deal with that is I play chicken with it. Yeah. Because I know I'm not gonna. Right. You know it's an intrusive. So you're just like, what if I did? Yeah. Fucking what if I did? Right. What would that be like? Let's yeah, run I don't, that through. I don't really want to. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm choosing not to, but what if I did? Yeah. Let's entertain your fucking stupid bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So Kyle's enraged at, at this whole charade in the store with the old men who are stimulating his genitals and like taunting him. Did he come from a, a super Christian background? His parents are religious. Okay. I'm um, just what like. But I don't think they were super duper religious. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, he's from Idaho. Like not to talk shit on Idaho. It's a beautiful place, but it's pretty known. It's known for being pretty um, conservative. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like there's like to me, there's definitely an element of like repressed bisexuality in here. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. too. Yeah. There's a lot of repressed, a lot of things. Like, I think that's just like one component, but it's a lot of like- Yeah. And sometimes when you repress things and aren't willing to face them, they can make themselves known as what seems like external forces. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's true. And I think that's probably why like he was initially so jazzed about meditation is because it kind of teaches you that like thoughts just happen sometimes. Yep. It's too bad he didn't continue his meditation practice <laughs> or it's too bad he- Attached such external significance to it. Right. You know? So he leaves the store to calm himself down. And the rest of the night, they, the aliens, the extraterrestrials, keep stimulating his genitals. And he can't Ooh. stop masturbating to the point where he's in serious pain. Jesus. Like, his dick is super chafed and he can't stop jerking off even though he doesn't want to. <sighs> and he can't take it anymore. So, here's... um. Oh, boy. Here's what he did. I filled a charcoal grill with lit coals and put it in my car and rolled up the windows. I reclined the seat, laid there calmly, then fell asleep. I should have died, but they woke me up in an extreme panic, which caused me to get out of the car. I felt very upset to still be alive and I had no clue where to go at that point. So, I decided to check myself into the VA. Yeah. So at this point, nobody in his life knows about the alien delusions and everything. His like, brain woke up because he was trying to kill himself. Yeah. It didn't want to die. Yep. It's not them. It's him. That's, this, that's the whole fucking thing with this. Yeah. It's not them. It's him. That's like, that's what it boils down to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not them making him do any of this. Right. It's all him. Yeah. But yeah. he feels like he's completely not in control of his own life. And probably for a long time, he felt like he probably wasn't. I mean, fuck in the military. Jesus Christ, you go from the military to like having to perform in like a, a, a hyper fucking smart uh, academic field, right? And in from institution to institution, it's from institution where you're not in control. Right. You have a path. You have what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, the end. And like, you're either going to do the thing or you're going to fall over. Yeah. That's it. Like, it's simple. Right. It's Also at this point, he's like- 29 so he might have that inferiority complex where he feels like he's behind all of the other students at the university perhaps even though grad students do tend to be older yeah but you know i don't know yeah it's yeah it's i mean you know it might be reductionist but like to me it just makes me think about just like a, a general problem in american society with not like giving the requisite reverence to the inner world. 
Because the head's a big place, right? Yeah. And there's also no indication throughout Kyle's life. Like, he doesn't write anything about romance or about love or about any friendships that he has. Yeah. Well, yeah. Isolation's a fucking bitch. So I'm sure that he probably had friends, but who knows? Because he was also... Under maybe too much pressure to really develop those relationships. All my fucking best friendships, of which, like, I'm really blessed to have, like, some fucking homies. Right? And that all happened... Because I'm kind of a fucking loser. <laughs> right? Like, and we kind of like, because we made conscious choices to, like, fucking play music instead of making money and, like, drink instead of making money and stay up late drinking instead of yeah. bettering ourselves. But that's how they happen. Because we were, like, in the eyes of maybe perhaps Kyle Odom even, like, pieces of shit. Yeah. Yeah, I won't say fucking losers because they're all pretty cool, but pieces of shit. And- I don't know. I feel like he may have just had well, a life where that wasn't necessarily possible. So here's the thing. He also really obviously liked President Obama. Who doesn't? <laughs> right. But coming from like a conservative town, conservative background, military dad, whatever, maybe like there was this bisexual sort of liberal leaning part of him that he was like weirdly suppressing. Yeah, I mean, maybe I like I don't want to I, wanna, no I, don't, I don't want to equate fucking the Democratic Party with bisexuality, sexual freedom in general. No, the sexual like, the sexuality comes from him getting boners at men. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Men. But I'm talking about like, given his conservative background, those are both things that would contribute to his sense of repression if he had favorable feelings about Obama. Sure. I mean, know? you know, he's he's a smart dude. Like he's clearly interested in science and all this shit. Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So he goes to the VA and it doesn't really help. He says that um, he goes there and he's just surrounded by a bunch of psychotic people, which makes him feel even more overwhelmed. And he thinks that he's they're trying to turn him into a crazy person and sabotage his life. It feels like this is like he doesn't feel good about his life when he's there. <laughs> he doesn't feel like things are getting better. I mean, and that's another thing. The fucking uh, veterans healthcare in this fucking country, and especially mental health, is completely fucked. Yeah. It's just completely fucked. There, yep. it, it, It's uh, an absolute fucking travesty. Yeah. So after leaving the VA, things don't improve. So in desperation, Kyle returns to the altar to ask, like, what do you want from me? Quote, the response was that they wanted me as a sex slave. Thinking they were serious, I sat there waiting for them to do something. All they did was say, keep coming to church. So I did. After a few more services, I found myself talking to Tim Remington face to face. And that's the pastor. He was telling me that I should consider becoming a minister. We were in mid-conversation, and suddenly he revealed himself to me. Uh-oh. I have no clue how he did it, but it looked as if his human face became his real face. It only happened for about one to two seconds, but I was able to draw a sketch of what I saw. His eyes really stood out. They were huge and bulging. The eyelids were darker green, and the irises were yellow and brown with slit pupils. After witnessing this, nothing else happened. I continued attending church for a few more services, waiting for them to do something. But they did nothing except telling me to submit and surrender. I had no clue what they meant, so I left church. Yeah. It's like, why would you keep going after they tell you they want you as a sex slave? I'd be like, nope. Maybe he wants to be a sex slave and there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe he does. You know? Like, he he clearly has, maybe not clearly, but the fact that um, he got that message that they want him as a sex slave, it seems like the sexuality component has something to do with everything. It does, I mean, isn't isn't that kind of a common thing with schizophrenia? Is hypersexuality. Yeah. Yeah. 
also a, a fear of being violated. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, what is the relationship that he has with Tim Remington in his head building up to the point where they talk face to face? Right. Like, does he does any part of him admire Tim? Is he just paranoid of Tim? Like, I mean, I wonder what they talked about. Yeah. Right. Because like, why would well, Tim Remington said, say, could ask consider him to, becoming a minister? Uh, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, I wonder if like, and this is just completely baseless speculation about very real people. So it's like, I, I feel uncomfortable kind of doing that, but like there's maybe, maybe Kyle was just really honest with him and said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't have a path right now. Yeah. And maybe, and also like, um, religion and, um, religion and neurodivergence go together like fucking whiskey and weed, mm-hmm. right? Like, and you know, fucking a million people have said this before me, but like pre-modern societies, that's what you did. If you were neurodivergent, you became a religious leader. Yeah. Like it is like, oh yeah, it's crazy. Religious people are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's our job. Right. Like that's the crazy people's job. It's what, it's what we're here for, (laughs) you know? And, um, I, I wonder if like Tim Remington saw something of his own, like, imagination mm-hmm. and 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 brain quirks in Kyle and that's why he said hey maybe you should consider doing the thing I did yeah and maybe fucking Kyle saw the fucking monster he sees inside of himself like we all fucking projected see sometimes back at him. projected back at him exactly but at, but then you're just like at, at a certain point you're 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 like going farther than diagnosing someone you've never met you know what I mean but it's, it's yeah. impossible for me to like not right think about it like that so surprisingly after that, all the voices and extraterrestrials give Kyle some breathing room, and he decides to make one last attempt at what he calls normal life by pursuing a career as a pharmacist. The last refuge of the scoundrel. Yeah. <laughs> he starts taking classes and volunteering at a local pharmacy, but of course they followed him to school, and there were several of them in every class. Mm. And their presence made it impossible for him to focus in class to study or do anything. They kept harassing him, even while he was taking tests. Their persistent sniffing all the time. Which, like, okay. In school, it would be impossible for me sometimes to take tests because of ambient classroom noise. If there was somebody clicking their pen or tapping their foot or smacking their gum, that would be all I could focus on. And it would send me into like this white hot rage that I would just sit there like vibrating, not even being able to read because all I could hear was click, 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 click. Ugh. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're a clicker and a foot tapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a clicker and a foot tapper. Yeah. Not a lip smacker, though. We both need to be in our own separate testing rooms. I I was always the first. We're not fit for classroom consumption. I was always the first one done, though, and I got the fuck out of there. Yeah. So now I'm just thinking about how relieved everyone probably was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he's just like taking it really personally, whereas eventually I was like, okay, I need an IEP and I need to like go be put in a separate room when I'm taking tests. Uh, cause this is my problem. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm legitimately sorry. It's a fucking annoying thing to do. 
just you know what are you gonna do like everyone has different ways of of regulating their anxiety and yeah but i don't have to force that on everyone in the (laughs) fucking room with me it's true that's why i have a podcast yeah (laughs) yeah so um he's being harassed in class all the time everybody's annoying him but with all of that going on he still manages to get an a minus in anatomy and physics like he still has he gets his work done (laughs) he gets his fucking work done (laughs) Um, but, but his success is short lived as the pressure of the semester grows. Every time Kyle would go to class, they would manipulate his brain and flood his body with adrenaline over and over, causing his heart rate to rise. And he would go into this rage where he would just feel angry and unfocused. And of course, it was everyone else's fault why he couldn't focus. Of course. And whenever women were close to him, they would stimulate some word that's crossed out in the document. God knows what the word is, but it's a long word. Oh, no. And whenever men were close to him, they would stimulate blank, which is a slightly shorter word, but still a longer word. God knows what's under that blank. Yeah, who knows? His parts, something was getting stimulated whenever people were close to him, both men and women. Yeah. So due to the harassment... Perineum? It's a lot. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. His his bum skin. Yeah, it's between. It's like the. It's, yeah, it's, it's like the, the taint muscle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Due to the harassment, um, you know, Kyle is now struggling to pass his tests, but he really wants to continue going to school. He wants to become a pharmacist. He wants to finish something, but he just simply cannot. Every moment in the classroom is just torture to him, and of course, like. <laughs> You know, college is probably really difficult. It's already difficult enough without untreated schizophrenia on top of everything. Like, you know, classes are hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. And um, in the manifesto, I really get the sense that Kyle is incredibly disappointed in himself for not being able to complete his schooling. He puts it in these words. My chance at a normal life has been ruined. They've been depriving me of sleep. And I don't have the strength to continue. So as an effort to comfort himself about his failures, he builds up this grandiose delusion. Quote, I was too smart for my own good, so they decided to remove me from society. They were worried I might change the way other people think, which could lead to problems. Problems in the form of scientific revolutions. If we get much smarter as a species, we're going to become a threat to their existence. Yeah, so we saw what happened when Kyle had to drop out the first time from Baylor University. Yeah. How he completely crumbled upon, you know, the fact that he he couldn't make it. The second time, he crumbles even further. He's sounding like real cuckoo bananas at this point. Mm. He's asserting that Tim Remington and John Paducah are not wild human beings, a.k.a. normal native earthlings like you and me. Like, we're wild. We're not being controlled by ETs as far as I know. He believed that Tim and John were mind controlled from birth by Martians. Because, you know, they've got millions of years of technology. Sure, sure. Good at hiding in plain sight. And of course, there's people that are aware of them because they're being tortured too. Like President Obama, which is why Kyle had to write him a personal letter. Uh, Parentheses in, in the beginning. This will not make sense unless you are the president or one of his close friends. Friend, friends. Come on, Kyle. The president doesn't have friends. <laughs> Advisors, if this doesn't pertain to you, please ignore it. 
closest thing Barack Obama had to a friend was me in that dream I had with him. Yeah, we shooting zombies. And if you yes. hear this, Mr. President, if you had that same dream, get at me because it was pretty cool. <sighs> Fucking Barack Obama. Okay, <laughs> Mr. President, I want to thank you for your sacrifice to this country. It's been very upsetting to hear you talk about the things they do to you. What? Why do you let them? I suppose you have no other choice. I've been struggling with them myself for over a year now. I had nothing to lose, so I chose this instead. I can never tolerate that much abuse. I hope you don't take any of their threats too seriously. Everything is a game to them. Realize they consider the entire human race a plaything, even you. They brag to me about what they do to you. I'm sure you already know, but he doesn't love you. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to know what that means. Uh Their brains don't work that way. I don't know you personally, but they've shown me a lot about you. You're an amazing person, and I hope you stop letting them humiliate you. Why are you afraid to retaliate? Kennedy wasn't. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's afraid to retaliate. They saw it, you know. Yeah. Back into the left. It's time someone took a stand to end this nonsense. Can you think of a better legacy than that? What's worse, having everyone know the reality of the situation or watching some of our best and brightest become slaves? I wish you the very best with the remainder of your presidency. If you're still in there, stay strong. And then at the end of his letter to Obama, he includes a link to this song. And that's why it's on flash drives. This is for Obama. Thought I was going to be talking heads again. From Kyle. Does he have a crush on Obama? Yes. <laughs> the fuck is this horse shit? Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. Fucking A. So that's part of his message to Obama. So more about the Martians. You know God? Yeah. 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 Martians came up with that. Oh. Yeah, let's learn a little bit more about the Martians. So, Kyle has made several deductions about them. And this section of the manifesto is titled Martian Brain and Behavior. Their primary characteristics are one, they are hypersexual. Two, they are hyper-aggressive. And three, they are fearful and paranoid. Kyle, you are describing yourself. Yeah, that's, yeah. You are yeah. describing yeah, yeah, yeah. the shadow aspects of your personality that you are not brave enough to own. I mean, for fuck's sake, he literally says later in the, right after, in the human brain, the amygdala is responsible for all of these characteristics. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yep. So he says that that the males are extremely aggressive because in their society, there's only one thing, and that's power. Whoever's the smartest, biggest, and strongest wins. One time, he was talking to a young male who kept trying to intimidate and scare him and saw that he was confident in himself and then immediately became discouraged. (laughs) The young man stopped what he was doing and said, you think you're better than me, then hung his head and walked away. Kyle told him, that's not true. I don't think I'm better than you. But the guy wouldn't listen. Then after that, every time he encountered one of these males in public, they would attack him mentally, trying to destroy his self-esteem so he wouldn't, you know, think that he's better than them. Because they're intimidated by his intelligence. Hmm. (sighs) It's a really toxic way of thinking. It's like, everybody's after me, but they're after me because they're jealous of me. It's like the Martians are just other people. Like, he's just... They're people that make him feel inferior. 
Yeah, but, and yeah, and it's like... I mean, really, he's making himself feel inferior. They're probably not really doing anything. A lot of these things, I'm sure, happened. Right. You know? And it's like there's this core conceit that he made, like, a long time ago that's just responsible for this, like... Yeah. ...cartoonish perception, but it, it's weird is that, like, it seems like it could be really easy to just not think it's fucking Martians. Yeah. You know? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Like... Especially because he's really pinning this on men in particular. Yeah. Like males. Like, I have yet to hear about a female Martian. <laughs> Except in, like, groups or in, like, in in general. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, someone sent to sniff at him to bother him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but otherwise, he seems most concerned about other men. He says, to the males, everything is black or white. There's no middle ground. They are power-hungry megalomaniacs obsessed with control, and if they're not 100% in control of every situation, they panic. If something happens they aren't anticipating, they get very upset. They hate surprises. He's just describing men. He's just, yeah, describing people. (laughs) Yeah, like... Really, like any unbalanced person. Really, he's describing a lot of Americans. These are very American qualities. Yeah. I think it's very human qualities. True. Yeah. Very true. So to recap, the males are megalomaniacal, obsessed with sex, extremely aggressive, fearful and paranoid, power hungry, and obsessed with control. This motherfucker's just been reading Cosmopolitan magazine. (laughs) The fuck is this? (laughs) He says, do those qualities sound familiar? You know who else had those? (laughs) Do you know who else has those characteristics? Yeah, me. God. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> the Abrahamic God from the Bible. And Martians are responsible for God. And they created us. Martians created humans. But they are certainly not gods themselves. Hmm. They're just another intelligent species that evolved on a neighboring planet. Because according to Kyle, there is no God. There is no heaven. There is no hell. So he must feel really weird in church when they're talking about God and heaven and Jesus. And No, oh, yeah, he sees that as an alien <clears throat> control system. Yeah. Yeah. Which, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, like, not like, really. Yeah, but, but like, sure. It's it's an incredible abstraction of a, a core <laughs> belief that I can see, like, where it comes from. Yeah. But no. He says, Earth is as close to heaven as we'll ever get. Okay, I'm I'm on board with that idea. And we're letting the Martians ruin it. No, okay, mm. you lost me again. Yeah. He says they're going to destroy Earth just like they destroyed Mars if we let them. And our survival rests in their hands for the time being. And then if you would scroll down, Sequoia, and please mm. look at the sketches. <laughs> like, it, it literally it looks like a Muppet. It looks like a fucking cross between goddamn Donkey Kong and Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? And speaking of Muppets. It's a fucking pup look. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, even he says that their head looks like a Muppet. Oh, my God. They also said to him that Elmo rules the world. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. You know how much I love that gif of, of Elmo in, in front of the <laughs> in fire. In front of the flame. Ah, this is my favorite shit. Yeah. No, but scroll down on that page to see the sketch of their mouth with the teeth open. Ooh. Beautiful. Ooh. I don't like it. Yeah. So they've-, they've <laughs> Noteworthy like, Martians. Oh, yeah. Here's a list of um, Martians. It's just a bunch of U.S. senators, representatives. And that Israeli leadership. Yeah. There's three columns. Mm-hmm. Senators, 
House Representatives, Israeli leadership. Yep. It ends with, and every single prime minister since 1948. (laughs) And then there are many italics, others from Israel, too many to list. So, you know. Yeah. So the Martians are all keeping track of every wild human. And basically the Earth is kind of like a zoo, like a, a Martian zoo, where they have Martians blended in with us, you know, like... I can't believe this went full fucking anti-Semitic reptilian just now. Yeah, the Israel stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't like Israel either. Yeah, but like... Probably not... Every single... There are two... (laughs) There are many others from Israel. Too many to list. (laughs) Yeah. It's essentially saying, as you know. Right. So, um... Let's talk about the shooting. Yes. Kyle did what he felt he had to do on Sunday, March 6th, 2016. That morning, his parents were very concerned because Kyle wasn't home. And that was weird. Mm. And Kyle had confided in his father about the whole incident with the charcoal grill in the car, how he tried to commit suicide. Yeah. So when he just wasn't there that morning... They were afraid that he had gone somewhere to kill himself. So they were on high alert. Yeah. They never expected that this is what would happen, though. So they're having their own little drama at home where they're like, where is Kyle? Meanwhile, Kyle is over at the altar church and he just watches that day's sermon along with the rest of them. And when services end, he shoots Tim Remington in the parking lot. And he has to kind of lurk around the church for a while because Tim doesn't just like leave after the service. He's talking to people. Yeah, there's a bake sale going on at the church. Like there's video from inside the church of Kyle just sort of tracking Tim from a distance around the church and watching him. Jesus Christ. It's very scary. Um, And Tim Remington is going to have lunch with his son after church. And he's on the phone with his son because he's running a little bit late. And while he's on the phone, his son hears his the gunshot and then hears Pastor Tim has been shot. Someone call 911. And this is like surreal. Yeah. For the son, because what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kyle's claim is that he shot Tim Remington 12 times, but the official number of bullets is six. And these are 45 caliber bullets. He gets shot in the pelvis, the arm, the shoulder. The back and the head. That should do it. Yeah. They thought that he was going to be paralyzed. They thought that he was never going to use his right arm again. They thought I thought he he'd would be never, dead. Yeah. They thought he would never play piano again, but he's fucking doing it. Wait, he's he like, survived. he's good? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't really How good How good first, is he? But he's good. Really? He can, he can do it. What a fucking beast. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, he says that his... Right arm constantly feels like it's inside of a deep fryer. Oh, fucking boohoo, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing it. But yeah, this shooting sends shockwaves through the community. Because by the yeah. way, Kyle just like, he gets away from the scene and nobody knows who did it. Oh, so wow. they're like, you know, the police who show up on the scene are wearing bulletproof vests because the, the killer's at large and they don't know if he has other people on his kill list. Right. They don't know what's going on. And like I said, 
the altar was home to a lot of ex-convicts and they had some people that might have been a little bit disgruntled because they hadn't completed the program and because maybe they had to call their parole officer and say, hey, we know for a fact that so-and-so has been using again. Sure, sure. So there were some people that were upset with them. In fact, one time Tim Remington had been, had a gun put to his head after church services, not by Kyle, but just by, you know, one of these other people. Oh, wow. He'd had his life threatened before. No shit. So, yeah, right? Um, Fucking badass. Yeah. Remington <laughs> was a big figure around town. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, he started a street ministry for drug and alcohol addicts in California during the 80s. Then he came to Idaho in the late 90s, where he started the Altar Church and the Good Samaritan <laughs> Rehab Drug and Alcohol Residential Program. He was a prominent spokesperson for conservative issues and delivered an opening prayer for Ted Cruz when Cruz visited Ohio. I, I was I was wondering if he was if 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 he was on which which side of the aisle he fell on. That's too bad. Yeah. In the news clips I watched of him, he presents himself more like middle of the road, but it could I don't know. Yeah, Ted Cruz is a particular type of Yeah, he my, is, my grandma yeah. was all was all about Ted Cruz in the, at that time, you know. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Despite being shot six times with forty-five caliber bullets, Tim survives. That's not the Ted like the Ted Cruz love is unfortunate. It is, but that's not to take away from what a fucking what a <laughs> fucking tank this guy. Yeah. Do we know what kind of gun he used? Was it a Remington? I don't know. It could have been a Remington. They're it's a large gun manufacturer. I don't know. They make pistols. I'm not up on my gun nerdery. I could see him doing it though. Yeah. Yeah. There is video. Of Kyle shooting Tim Jesus. in the parking lot. And he looks so fucking nervous when he does it. Yeah. And then he runs away very, like, meekly and nervously. Like, it's awkward vibes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awkward vibes. <laughs> <laughs> fucking A. Jesus Christ. Well, Tim pretty much gets, like, right back to work. As soon as he's better, he's fortunate again. And he completely forgives Kyle. Now, Tim Remington is working in the Idaho House of Representatives. So, there you go. He's a politician. And I mean... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> about the ordeal, Tim says, I'm going to be the victor in all of this. The victim, I believe, is Kyle Odom. I, I'm not as sure I like the whole victor-victim dichotomy there. Yeah. But at the same time, like... Forgiven, the, like I do, I appreciate a fucking pastor that that walks the walk. You know what I mean? Right. He said that <clears throat> something that Tim Remington said that I thought was interesting is that he felt it was necessary for him to forgive Kyle, so that way his sons wouldn't grow up with like hate and rage and vengeance in their heart. I, I can. I, Which was I respect a pastor me. that walks the fucking walk. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can. Yeah. I can dig that. He even, like, went to the prison to meet with Kyle and Damn. talk with him. Damn. So, yeah, on November 13th, 2017, Kyle Odom was sentenced to 25 years, and he'll serve a 10-year fixed sentence, after which he might be eligible for parole. He was charged with felony aggravated battery with a felony firearm. So... That managed to bring his sentence down a lot further from, like, you know, attempted murder. Yeah. <clears throat> and you said, they, like, Idaho doesn't have the insanity defense, right? <laughs> they don't. What they did was they had 
some of the trial go out of state for a little bit and then bring it back into Idaho to like lower the sentence or something. I don't know. Weird. It, yeah. Confusing. And when you look at news clips about this case online, there typically aren't any comments on the videos. But when there are comments, they say shit like, where we go one, we go all. Oh, no. Or it's people think, like thinking that Kyle Odom was right, that he like got him. That, you know, he was a whistleblower. I said, yeah. Yeah. Even though Kyle Odom doesn't think he was right. No? Yeah. God knows how prison has been treating him and what he believes now and how his mental health is. Sure. But during his hearing, he said these words. I wish I could take this all away, but I can't. All I can do is hope that Pastor Tim recovers quickly. And I can promise you that no matter what happens to me in the future, I will never harm another human being again. Yeah. Human being. So he recognizes Pastor Tim as a human being. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who know? I mean, who knows how quickly the delusion fucking crumbled? Yeah. And of course, jail is a really scary environment where you have like no control. So I'm sure that that's not treating him very well. And I don't I honestly am not sure that that's where he belongs. Probably not. Yeah. I know. It's unfortunate. It's also I mean. Especially because, like, what he did obviously wasn't right and is horrible, but he believed he was doing the right thing, you know? And that's kind of what makes it I mean, really I, tragic. I mean, here's the thing, though, dude. Like, there's tons of people who commit violence against others who believe they're doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, and and there's a there's an element here with, like, with talking about undiagnosed mental illness and, you know, maybe it's schizophrenia, maybe it's uh, bipolar, maybe it's whatever. I mean, it's, maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it's a fucking whole whole shit sandwich but i never want to sound like you know it's it's undiagnosed mental illness that caused this because there's people who wouldn't qualify for any any issue who don't fucking believe in any martians right. who fucking do something for insane fucking reasons yeah um and fucking hurt people shoot people and shit like fucking happens the thing is he was also really like people didn't know about his extraterrestrial delusions. Right. He knew enough not to talk about it with other people and to keep it to himself. His yeah. family was aware that he had PTSD and depression and had tried to commit suicide, but like I really get the sense that nobody knew about this Martian stuff. So the fact that he could hold these deeply troubling delusional beliefs and yet operate at a base level that makes him fly under the radar where people, you know, don't bat an eye. He writes fine, too. Yeah, he does. It happens all the time. Yeah, it, and... And it's it's not like his family wasn't paying attention. They were, and they're probably going to beat themselves up for the rest of their lives, his parents especially, wondering what, what could we have done. And the answer really is, like, they there's nothing... There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... If you like, if you want to go into like the mechanics of it and like what could have happened differently to change the outcome, I think if he had taken some time off after he got out of the military before going to college mm-hmm. and, and processed what had happened, that probably would have changed things. Um, you know, it's the thing is, it's not that it's not the the Martian shit that he needed to talk about, right? No. It's, it's it's PTSD, it's depression, it's it's the, it's the human things, it's the 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 bullshit going on in your mind because it's the, the fear, the paranoia, the yeah. hypersexuality, the, the hyperaggression, just the un, uncomfortableness, just the 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 burning fucking um, you know, the fear of 
of being a human, of being a, a, a human who's had some bad shit happen to him, or yeah. fucking has a funny brain. Like, I always feel lucky that, like, I get to talk to you about, like, shit without, like, fear of judgment and, and, mm-hmm. and shit. Like, as, we, as I said in, like, the Andy Pear episode, like, it, it kind of makes sense to me how things spin out of control. Right. Right. And not for nothing, in his military career, he was you know, more or less kind of hunting people to kill them and shoot them. He was mowing people down with an incredible piece of lethal technology. Right. So the fact that he then internalized the sense that there were unseen forces that could get him, that were trying to get him. It's like, well, yeah, he can identify with that because he has been the unseen force inflicting harm, you know? Yeah. What do we think about the lovers? I think that it's really interesting. Me too. Um, obviously, it has to do with relationships. Internal relationships. Yeah. The Personal relationship to beliefs. the self. Yes, very much so. The relationship to the shadow. Yeah. Oh. And then you see the, the angel is on top of the card that's sort of, you know, controlling the man <laughs> and the woman. Right, right. And of course, that text message that he got from Tim Remington that made him finally go in was just a single word. Angel. <laughs> Hey, that's true. And there is, and it's that like fucking ridiculous. He gets, starts getting text messages about this church when he's, when he's delusionally expecting a offer from a shadowy government agency or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's the, the element of synchronicity that I can see as, as the angel in that card. Yeah. He's just like waiting for something to happen to him and assigning meaning to other things. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like just a kind of a, a really sad and tragic story, really. It really is. Because I don't know what could have been done differently. It should happen sometimes. Yeah. And, I just, I don't feel like Kyle really deserves to be punished for the rest of his life over I, this. I, I'm not necessarily comfortable yeah. with him not segmented. Or, uh, right. You know, but the American um, prison system as it is probably isn't the most supportive place for people with. Oh, it's not. It's it's uh, it's hell on earth. And it's the worst thing that's we've ever done to people. Yeah. But so it just makes me feel tough. like his chances at the one thing that he wanted so badly, a quote unquote normal life. Well, now, how are those chances? I don't know. Or maybe he's one of those people that just does well in an institution. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't wish prison on anyone, but it's, I mean, it's, it's fucking tough is what it is. It's a tough situation. And yeah. it's like, I'm glad we covered it because like, even though it's like, no, there's nothing to the alien shit, right? Like it, but fucking mental illness is a, is a, is a real thing, especially among veterans. Um, it's fucking tough. Oh, I wanted to get back to the, his whole meditation experiences too. Yeah. The blue light and everything. Yeah. Obviously there's <coughs> the, um, associations with like extraterrestrials that appear as blue lights and telepathically communicate, especially in journeys outside the body. Right. It's also, that's a phenomenon that happens in meditation is the blue light. It's just a thing. You go into deep meditation, you see the blue light. Who the fuck knows what that is? Something. It's not an alien. It's just a thing that your brain does when, when you're meditating. And it's like, he got really like the benefit you gain from meditation is letting thoughts pass by, understanding that your brain does things that seem real, but it's not you. It's just a thought that can pass and yeah. no harm, no foul. 
I almost feel like he was looking for something more spectacular from meditation than what you get. Right. Some fucking answers, some life-changing fucking thing. And he, he fucking got it. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that that's how this starts. And yeah, with him trying to make himself less stressed out. Yeah. Cause burnout's also a fucking hell of a thing, man. Yeah. Really, really is. And then of course, oh Jesus Christ, fucking the Q people and the goddamn comments on these videos. Right? Like, that's just, that's just a whole thing. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't even, I can't even start talking about that. Well, it's probably because he listed all of those U.S. representatives and everything. Well, and Israel, about, just yeah. the entirety of Israel. Yeah. yeah. Has a lot to do with it, I'm sure. <sighs> yeah, it sucks. Uh, yeah. I'm glad fucking Tim Remington survived though. Me too. It'd be a different story if he didn't. It would. But God damn it. Yeah. We got to get better about fucking mental health, man. It just it comes down to that. <laughs> Especially for goddamn veterans. Holy shit. Especially for veterans. Like, what the fuck, man? So I think, yeah. I think that about does her. I think it does. I mean, that was super interesting. It's kind of a bummer of a story, but it like, is, it's but super I interesting. I just felt like I should tell it. Yeah. No, I'm glad you did. It's fascinating and thought provoking. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, if you like what we do. Uh, you can find us on all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, all that shit. But you guys can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash nonsensebazaar. $5 a month, get access to our Discord server. You get bonus episodes every other week. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. And uh, take care of yourselves. Yeah. Fucking and if- take a vacation if you need one. Definitely. And if you like what we do, please feel free to give us a five-star rating and a review. Feel free to. We would really good appreciate choice. it. Yeah. No, you have to. <laughs> Peace. Peace.